Today, I have road rage on the bitterest pill. My daddy may now make an announcement. I'm a former stay-at-home dad, struggling actor. I'm sitting in my garage under the flight path of Los Angeles International Airport. This is The Bitterest Pill. You are listening to The Bitterest Pill. I was overcome by road rage uh, the other day. That was about two days ago, I think it was. I was, uh, you know, on my way into town. You know, I... I mean, I live in Los Angeles, so the whole place, trust me, is in town. But where I live seems uh, kind of out of town, and then I feel like I go into town to work or whatever, you know? So I was on my way uh, into town. And to get into town, where was I going? I guess I was going up to Santa Monica, which is uh, theoretically a different town. Not to get too much into the geography of Los Angeles, but... You know, L.A., uh, you know, technically L.A. is separate from Santa Monica. It's all the same. It's all L.A. Let's not get too hung up on it. But I was heading from, you know, here, the airport, at Los Angeles International Airport at LAX. And I was going to Santa Monica. And I was going for an audition because, you know, I'm a struggling actor here in L.A. So you also know that, uh, you know, I, I've been curbing my food intake. So listen, I'm going to I'm going to admit for a moment here, that it is possible that some of my road rage was spurred on ever so slightly uh, by malnutrition, or at least, uh, you know, really needing a, a zone bar. And I didn't really have actual road rage, but this is what happens. Now, you know that I'm a, a small man. I'm five foot seven. I'm bald. I'm middle-aged. I wear glasses. I'm not particularly uh, well-built. You know, I've been studying martial arts now, uh, again, for maybe two and a half years, and I'm terrible at it. W- and, and what does that say about a guy? Right? Anyone that studies martial arts, you have to assume, you know, th- right? Something's going on there. They're either tough, they want to be tough, or they're a wimp. They're some kind of, uh, you know, scared little mouse. And I think that that might be me, that, that last part. I want you to think that I'm cool. And then I, I might be a badass and I'll beat you up in a parking lot. But the truth is, uh, maybe not so much. Or maybe it is that I'm not really wimpy. Maybe it's that I, I know deep down I have anger issues. And every once in a while, someone will bring out these anger issues. And I don't know why, but they just, every they, right? Now, if you're one of my larger, uh, you know, friends, you maybe do not uh, have these problems when you're on the road. Because not only am I five foot seven and bald, and I wear glasses, but I'm five foot seven, I'm bald, and wear glasses. I'm in uh, L.A. and I typically drive what I would not necessarily consider macho vehicles. I drive a small black Volkswagen, you know, station wagon. I guess for lack of a better term, I mean it's a quote unquote sport wagon, which I think is quote unquote secret code for a quote unquote uh, right. Not quite uh, girly enough for the minivan, but you don't have a boy car. So what kind of man are you? So now listen, maybe I, you know, like there was this one time that um, 
I think I was driving home and I, I drove by a McDonald's and maybe some guys pulled out in front of me and I must have given them a funny face or something. And I think I was also coming home from an audition, so I had like my I might have had my nerdier nerdier clothes on. I might have had a shirt and tie, which on me just does not read macho uh, in any way. I don't think. And um, they started like these two guys, you know, in a pickup truck or whatever. They started just kind of like hassling me. You know what I mean? I mean nothing major. They they, they would just kind of pull up alongside me and kind of look at me, but kind of not look at me and kind of. It was just weird. It was just kind of weird, and it just was weird. So I'm on my way to this audition, and I'm getting onto the freeway because I'm going to Santa Monica. And to get to Santa Monica at that time of day, it, and I was running late, I'll admit it, uh, the freeway was kind of my best option because that time of day, I think I had to be there around noonish, you know. And to get there around noonish, um, I, I might as well just take the freeway. So I'm getting on the freeway, and this is what happens. Now, listen, I'm in my little car, but I'm, I'm going to be really specific about something. I do drive a, a very new Volkswagen Sport wagon, which means it is actually a five-cylinder, uh, you know, like cheaper Audi. So the thing is not slow. It's not that I can't get on the freeway, but I'm getting on the freeway. And then when you get on the freeway, then it's one of those things where there's almost an exit right away. So you need to get over and you need to commit to being on the freeway because you think you're on the freeway, but you're really not. You're on the freeway, but it's really uh, just an exit ramp. So what they do, you know, here in the state of California is they put lines in the road, right? So you know where to drive, you know where to drive and you know where not to drive. And you know that if you keep driving and you're kind of bearing a little right, you're going to get back off the freeway at this exit that's about two feet from the on-ramp. But if you stay on the right, uh, on the uh, left and follow those lines, then you'll end up on the freeway. And it's one of those classic situations where I look in my mirror and I look at my blind spot and I've got plenty of room. There is a guy coming up in that lane and he's going a little fast, but listen, I'm running out of freeway on ramp. I need to go. I am signaling. I have plenty of room, but some jackass driving a florist's van has already decided a quarter of a mile ago that he is going to fill that spot. And the fact that I should have the right of way, the fact that I'm signaling, the fact that there's plenty of room and that he should not have such unreasonable expectations of the slow lane of the freeway, he is going to close that gap no matter what. I do not want to get off of the freeway. I want to get on the freeway. So I, since I've been signaling now for 10 seconds, I'm going to go and follow the lines of the freeway that are taking me onto the freeway. And just the fact that you're doing 80 in the slow lane to fill that gap, you've just decided that you're going to out macho me into that. I don't care. Do you understand? I just ate a half a chicken breast for lunch. I'm going to an audition and I'm late and I should not have to put up with your crap to, just to do something completely reasonable. 
And it's one of those things where you're like, that guy has got to see my signal. He's got to see my signal. He sees that I'm inching over into that lane and is making absolutely, like, there's plenty of time. There's five seconds, and I'm watching him in my rearview mirror like, he is not slowing down. He's not slowing down. He's going to show me that I'm a D-bag by crawling right up my ass, even though there's no reason. I mean, really? You got to do this. So then, so now I'm on the freeway. And he decides now he has to pass me on the right, which in L.A. is not a big deal. Maybe where you live, you never pass anybody in the United States on the right. We drive on the right. We pass on the left. Okay. Listen, the first thing you learn when you come to L.A., we pass on the left and we pass on the right. We don't care. If you're going slower than we want to go, we're going to pass you. And that's fine. It's not a problem. When I first moved here and I bought my Volkswagen convertible, which I had huge blind spots on the right, I would freak out anytime someone wanted to pass me on the right because I had never, right? That didn't bother me, that he passed me on the right. That happens all the day long. What bothered me is that he rode my ass, then he pulls out, passes me on the right, but as he's pulling in, he goes in a little fast. He kind of like gives me that little F you, like he's going to swerve into my car. Like, that was my empty space you filled, because I decided three exits ago that, that I was, right? And you pulled in, you jackass, so now I'm going to pretend like I'm going to run you off the road. Okay. Well, now a flip, a flip gets switched in my brain. And it's the switch of reason. And if I had not had an audition that I was late to, because c- I, Daddy's got to right, Daddy's got to make money. Baby needs a new pair of shoes. I think I might have followed this guy as he got off the freeway at the next exit. Because you know what, and and I hope I'm explaining this right. I did not do anything wrong. I did not put this man in any peril. I simply disregarded the fact that he had decided that I shouldn't be entering the freeway when I had every right to. He decided that I guess I needed to come to some kind of full stop to make damn sure he could get the flower van off the freeway as quickly as possible. But he tailgated me. Which is not a problem. It was the swerving, it was the threatening maneuver with the flower van. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna ram into you, Baldy. That just tweaked me. The wrong way. One of the reasons I'm so bad at karate is that I'm inherently a pacifist. I inherently do not want to attack you or fight you. But I don't understand why I need to be threatened just because for a split second you didn't like the way I chose to drive. I immediately start going into very, very literal and specific planning of how I would handle that situation. 
your brain can become very imaginative in these situations. How to hassle someone. How to get someone to pull over. How to pull up alongside of them so they can't even get out of their vehicle. Or you don't, you actually don't do that. You let them start to get out of the vehicle and then you kick the door on their shin and crush their leg. See, because I don't know who this guy is. He could be a lot bigger than me. He could be a lot more angry than me. But you know what? I can remain very calm in a fighting situation. Because I fight big guys all the time. Now, granted, it's a controlled situation, but I'm angry now. It makes me understand why people carry bats in their car. See, to me, a bat is too obvious. I would keep some PVZ, PVC pipe that I get at Home Depot. You know that pipe, the white pipe that you use? i got a bunch of it here in the garage. It's really light but incredibly hard. And I could take, you know, maybe just a couple feet of it, maybe put an elbow on each end, so put a hook on each end, right? And I could keep two of them in the car. And I, I could always explain them away like, well, they, eh, you know, they're for plumbing. I just don't know why I have to always be the reasonable one. And I know that's part of my training. This is why I go to a karate school like the one that I do. I, I get it. It's spiritual training. It's not to train warriors. It's to train your mind. I know. I know. My not following him is part of the training. I get it. I get it. But sometimes it gets so frustrating that you're the one that always has to bow. You're the one that always has to say, excuse me. You're the one that always has to let it go. But we're all in such a hurry. We're all the most important person in the world. And because he's driving a bigger vehicle and assuming he's a bigger human... He can threaten to run me off the road in his flower van. The irony of which is not lost on me. See, I, I hesitate to do things like that. N not because of um, I'm big or small or unarmed or anything. You don't know how crazy the other person is. You have no idea. You don't know how armed they are. How does he know that I'm not an off-duty cop driving my wife's car? I mean, it's, it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Unless there's some sort of flower mafia. Is that what it is? Organized crime figures are driving around in, in florists' vans. Is the, is the flower industry in Los Angeles, is it run by the Russian mob? You know, you never know. You just got, you got to be so careful because you never know who might be behind those daffodils.
Can you plead temporary insanity? If a guy threatens you with his flower van, can you, can you pull over and kick his ass and then just say, well, listen, I, 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 he went nuts. Whenever I'm around daisies, I just freaking lose it, man. And I was around daisies and this guy threatened to swerve into my Jetta. And I stinking lost it. And so I pummeled the crap out of him. Because I needed some tuna fish and avocado. Maybe a Diet Coke with caffeine. I would have been fine, officer. You don't understand. I have short man syndrome and I had to kick the ass of a van driving migrant worker. I go to a dojo once or twice, sometimes three times a week. Okay, it's not been... uh, Okay, once a week. Officer, I go to a dojo once a week and black belts kick the crap out of me. They make me seem like I'm a little baby. I can't fight. But maybe I could beat up a florist. Maybe I could beat up a florist. So, uh, uh, I had an audition, another audition, not that audition, actually a previous audition. That audition was to be a security guard in a Wendy's commercial because, you know, that, that's really the glamour of Hollywood, my friend. It's a good thing I don't take myself seriously as an actor. I'd want to kill myself because, honestly, my, I have no ego problem at all about playing a security guard in a Wendy's commercial. Bring it. You know what I mean? I do not consider myself a master thespian. So actually, I, I would be more than thrilled to play a, uh, a security guard in a Wendy's commercial. But no, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had an audition f- to be, you know, like a business guy. You know, like random, you know, guy sitting at a conference table, not saying anything, but listening to other people talk and then just kind of reacting. And I had to just kind of, yeah, it's slightly funny, slightly humorous. You know, you didn't have to do too much. So what happens is, you know, we're all sitting around a conference table and there's the boss. And the boss says, hey, you know, uh, Jimmy's going to make the big presentation. And then uh, Jimmy makes the big presentation and he fails, but then he saves it, uh, you know, saves the day because of the product. And then the boss has another funny line about uh, Jimmy, you know. Well, my role was going to be, you know, I auditioned for the role of one of the guys sitting around listening to the boss and listening to Jimmy make this presentation. And then at the end, we... You know, we have, it's reaction guy. You know what I mean? Like I say, I have no ego about this stuff. So it's super fine with me, my friend. Just send me the residual checks to under the flight path, Los Angeles International Airport. So I go on the first call and they videotape or whatever. And then, then you, if, you, you know, if you're lucky, you get a call back, which means you're going to go in for the agency and the director and uh, the agency producer and God knows who else. So, you know, I go to the audition, uh, the callback, excuse me, and um, those always take a little bit longer than you expect, but whatever. But but I'm about to go in, and as I'm about, I'm on deck, you know, and the guy running the session goes, hey, Dan, um, are you pressed for time? What's going on with you time-wise? 
I'm like, no, I'm cool. He goes, well, listen, I've got a guy coming in to read for Jimmy, but he was supposed to be here like two hours ago, so all the bosses are gone. So could you hang out and read the part of the boss just so, you know, this guy can audition for Jimmy? Now, you know from your line of work, as well as I know from my line of work, whenever someone says, hey, can you fill in doing a better job than your normal job? Do you have time? You What do you? Yeah. Yes. The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. And the answer is yes. Hey, Dan, how's your time? Fine. Fine. My, my time is fine. Now, the problem, of course, is I don't really know the boss lines. And so I, I kind of look them over, but I got to go in and do my audition. So I do my audition and it goes fine. Whatever, you know, I'm just a random guy. I don't say much, whatever. And um, so then it's time for the guy who was late to come in and read for Jimmy. So I go in as the boss. And uh, we do our, you know, we do the scene. And the director's sitting there. He's like, all right, well, you know, uh, dude playing Jimmy. I mean, you know, don't be so this next time or maybe a little that. That was good. You know, it was good. But don't be so, uh, you know, whatever. Or be a little more this. Or, you know, they always give you a little adjustment. And then the director turns and he goes, uh, Dan. Uh, I really like what you're doing there with the boss. And then he kind of turns to the other guys like, you know, what, what do you guys think? Kind of a different approach with the boss, you know, kind of like Dan Class is the boss, right? Maybe it's like a, yeah, it's just kind of a different take. I don't like, you know, do what you did, Dan. That was good. That was, yeah. Uh, and you, know, and you, and you can kind of see the gears in his brain turning. And there's a little bit of smoke coming out of his ears like, oh, I got to read. I got to shift gears here a little bit. So Jimmy does his thing, and I do my thing. I do it again. A little different, a little not so different, a little, t- right? So he goes, Jimmy, that was good. Let's do it one more time. You know, Jimmy, do, do yeah, a little more of what you were doing. That was great. A little more. Just a little, uh, And Dan, you know, guys, what do you think? I don't know. Dan, maybe Dan is the, as the boss, kind of like a high-tech boss, you know, a little different than the guys we saw before, maybe like a... Yeah, it's kind of a different take on the boss. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah, guys, I don't know. This is good. Yeah, okay. All right, good. So Jimmy and I do our thing. And they say, yeah, thanks a lot, guys. It was great and great and whatever and great and great and get out of here. Great. So the next day, and I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like, you know what? I might have stolen the boss. I might have gone in there. I'm really hot. I'm on a roll, baby. If I were to book this thing, it would be catastrophic. It would blow everyone's mind. Three spots in two months? Everyone would go ape. Absolutely ape, because it was still January, my friend. So I get the call the next day. Dan, my, my agent literally calls me. She goes, Dan, clearly we need to almost fire uh, clients more often. I don't know what you're doing. But keep doing it, but you're on avails for this uh, commercial, for the thing, for the product. It shoots between the 4th and the 8th. We'll let you know you know, if you book it. But uh, holy, great. So I'm like, baby, I'm on fire. I'm on fire. My name is Declas, I'm on fire. Because I'm going to book this case. I stole the, I stole once in, right, for once in my life. 
short, bald, bespeckled Dan probably stole the quote-unquote boss position. I mean, this is such a metaphor for real life, my friend. Little Dan, little bald Dan with the glasses stole the boss position from probably a guy that's about 6'2 and has thick silver hair. That, like, silver fox look. You know, he probably came in with a three-piece in his wingtips. You know, that kind of boss. The stereotypical boss. The tall, good-looking, all-American, full head of hair boss guy. Dan came in and took it away from him. Ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-
I've been listening to voiceover demos. I need to get a voiceover agent. Because I want to make money being safe. I must have listened to two hours worth of demo reels. Some of the top voice talent in the country. And you know what they sound like? They sound like each other. They sound safe. They sound energetic. They have perfect diction. They never stutter or stammer. They're real. Quote, unquote. They're radio real. And that's okay, because that's the reality of the situation. They're radio real. Because they've got to be radio real. Because you've got to be radio real. And TV safe. Because on TV, the boss is tall. The boss has thick hair. Always. I think that's it for the uh, bitter spill this time. You know, uh, it's kind of a short show, but I feel like we covered a lot of ground, actually. <laughs> I I, I'm kind of torn between stalling for a half an hour or um, just recording another show soon, right? Maybe they just need to end when they end. I don't know. Oh, let me give you the update, too, my friend, my premium podcast friend. Last week I said that I was going to lower the price of the premium pill to $2.99 a month. And that is definitely happening. But the bad news is there's always got to be bad news. Uh, I should have looked into this before I said anything. The system cannot handle... See, I thought I could just go into the system and change it from $4 to $2.99. And then everybody would just start to get billed the new rate. It doesn't work that way. Apparently because I use PayPal. So, I hate even saying this because it just sounds like such a hassle. But apparently, okay, as of, you know, February, no, friggity, I forgot what it does. Check the website at thebitterspill.com. Uh, I'm going to post the information very soon. But as of February, whatever it is, it's got to be pretty damn soon because I'm recording this on the 2nd or 3rd of February as it is. I better get on this, huh? Uh, the price will go down to two ninety nine. The unfortunate thing is for you to take advantage of that new lower price. You have to unsubscribe. I know. You have to unsubscribe and then resubscribe. And I know I'm trying to figure out a way to 
work around it, but I so far I'm coming up empty. I I, I won't bore you with the details, but. And then for the last, uh, you know, several years, people have been asking about an annual subscription, and I am going to set that up. It's going to be a even cheaper annual subscription. But and I want, I really want your feedback on this, at least from the couple of people that um correspond with me. <laughs> uh, the the two or three of you left. Um, here's the thing. This I'm going to be really honest with you. Maybe I've said this already. The only reason I really that I've never done the annual thing is if if you pay for a year up front, I can't quit. Right? I can't finally have the final hissy fit and just stop doing the right the premium pill because then I'll owe you money. So if we do the annual thing, I think part of the stipulation might be that that you're kind of right you understand that there's no backsies that if you right does that make sense i'm just trying to work stuff out man i I don't you know that's all i'm trying to do anyway 2.99 a month starting uh sometime in the next couple weeks but yeah it, it doesn't sound like a mess shouldn't i just pull the plug on the whole thing and get some rest not really right All right. Uh, more on that soon. 888-315-5753 if you want to be on the show. Or if you want to just leave me a message. Somebody just left me a message the other day. It was actually a great message, but she said she didn't want to be on the show, so I have to respect that, right? All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, may you have an, uh, a fun and somewhat uninteresting week, okay? All right. Bye-bye. The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's 